Hello everyone, I am back again with another podcast, and today I will be resuming my podcast on how diseases have shaped history throughout time, and I'm going to resume where I left off, I'm going to talk about the effects of various diseases such as malaria in the Africa on like how it's affected history. So a thing to note, just like the Americans during the Great Dying, the Europeans lacked resistance to most of the diseases that were present in Africa that like the part that was not North Africa, North Africa still had some diseases, but because North Africa is very close to Europe, there's those diseases in North Africa, which was more likely that the people in Europe would have experience with them. So they would have, so it was actually probably easier for them to colonize North Africa just because they'd have more resistance. However, South Africa had a much bigger issue because in South Africa, in, no, not South Africa, but like Africa below the Sahara. That's when I say when I say South Africa, I mean Southern Africa, because they had all these diseases here that the natives, the African peoples, had resistances to just because they've been like had tons of exposure over time. The Europeans did not have this, and as a result, it was very hard for them to go too deep into Africa or colonize significant portions of it just because they kept getting sick and dying from diseases. Eventually, however, this would change. With it, It's a thing to note is that the development of Africa, the main reason that the rushed Africa could even happen is because of major technological advancements in travel and, and weaponry. But people often overlook the advancements in medicine that allowed this to happen. For example, quinine, which is something that is made from the bark of certain trees, I believe was actually a main or a major part of allowing the settlement of Africa just because it was used, you know, just because it allowed the resistance to various diseases, mainly malaria, which helped protect them and let them go in. A thing to note, quinine, I believe it's pronounced quinine, I can't remember exactly how to pronounce it, but it is actually present in tonic water, which is a major ingredient in gin and tonic, and there's actually, like, quite a few, like, historical tales and kind of, like, jokes, anecdotes revolving around how tonic water helped build the British Empire, which I think is kind of interesting. And a thing to note, it is actually not from a, I think, might have said it was from a birch tree earlier, it is not from a birch, no, I didn't say that, I said it is from a tree, it's actually from, specifically, the bark of the Sinchona tree, I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier, I have it written down here so I can pronounce it correctly. I didn't read it off for some reason. And this was this is kind of common in both South America and Western Africa and like other parts of Southern America, which I think is interesting. Now I'm going to talk about another pretty major disease, a.k.a. polio. You've all heard of polio and what it is. For those who haven't, polio was one of the few diseases that came from the New World during the Columbian Exchange, a.k.a. Americas. And polio... It's still present today, but not as bad. I just think the news actually today, I believe there's been a whole issue with disease-derived polio that comes, no, vaccine-like. So, vaccines can give you disease, but very rarely. However, with the number of polio vaccines, I believe it's that they've actually had um, a few outbreaks of vaccine-derived polio, which has been an issue because polio is not good. It can lead to paralysis and other things. I think things that FDR was actually... Pretty heavily affected. I believe in the later part of his life, he could not walk because of what polio had done to him. They eventually did create a vaccine for polio. But at first, it was kind of a big issue. People were afraid of it. There was issues like people didn't like swimming pools. People thought that they could get it like from swimming pools. It caused a lot of fear just because it's not necessarily how deadly it was. 
but a major part was because of just what it meant, like the crippling and the paralysis, and this people were terrified of it. Next, I'm going to talk about two more, like, not necessarily insane diseases, but ones that are kind of significant. I'm going to talk about tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is a respiratory illness. Tech- I don't know if it's technically one, but it's pretty much a respiratory illness. And this is a bacterial infection that mainly affects your lungs. It's now treated with antibiotics, but before antibiotics, it was definitely an issue. It was... It was, like, something that affected quite a bit of people, and actually sanatoriums became a big deal during this period. As a way to treat TB, the idea is, like, they usually had drier out air, air that was better for the lungs, allegedly. So it kind of built this whole industry and kind of this whole thing around helping people heal from tuberculosis. And this was kind of a big thing just because a lot of people get would get TB, and it was just kind of a thing that affected many people around the world. Especially in um Europe and America, and just the TB would it wasn't necessarily like a huge like impact overall, but it did have significant like repercussions for those who were infected, and kind of how this whole thing revolving around it. Next, I'm gonna talk about chickenpox. Most of you know what that is. Not as big again today. Back in the past, I'm gonna talk about pox parties real quick. Basically, they'd get the kids chickenpox because if you get it young, it's better than if you get it old because it can be much worse as an adult. Just thought it'd be kind of talk, cool to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about a big one, aka one of the biggest ones, Spanish flu. Fun fact, the Spanish flu was actually not from Spain. It's just that because Spain was currently not engaged in war, they were not involved in World War One. their press was free to report on it. While in its original source, America, and more specifically, I believe, Kansas, they were not supposed to report on it just because of the whole, you know, you don't want to hurt your morale during war. So it's actually originated in America. And it first came from uh, the United States. It was first kind of came from military soldiers. And it's believed that about 500 million people were infected by it. And it is known as H1N1. And it came from avian origin. A thing to note, we actually still have samples of this disease. And I believe researchers discovered them in Alaska. As you know, Alaska is very cold. So this managed to help preserve the bodies of victims. And they managed to find the disease within them and kind of recreate it so which is quite useful because now we kind of understand the structure and those who do not know what h1n1 means h1 it's basically so there are these h and n proteins i don't want to pronounce them because i know i'm going to get it wrong and i've tried to before but there are h and n proteins and this one has one h and one n so h1 n1 that's why you see all of the h's and n's the it's basically the number of h proteins and the number of n proteins on their shells and the Spanish influenza, aka the pandemic, was one. It was a very bad one. It had about of the five hundred million estimated infected. At least five hundred million, not five hundred fifty million, died. Interesting thing to note is that, as many of you know, is that the young and the old are always kind of susceptible to disease. However, this disease had this unique kind of trait, which was not really understood. No, it's not. It's not really like understood. It's not really common. So, as most of you know, the healthy or the middle aged, like twenty to forties, usually pretty healthy, usually not affected. However, this disease was actually quite deadly to people in the age of twenty to forty. And even though we have like discovered it, we still don't understand like completely what has made it. We kind of analyze it. We still don't understand completely what has made it so powerful and dangerous. And another reason that it was so deadly is that back then, there was no vaccine, and they had no antibiotics to treat, like, secondary infections, which led to a lot of 
dangerous stuff. It's an interesting thing, though. They did have social distance somewhat and kind of just quarantine, and it's actually kind of an early form of social distancing, which I think is kind of an interesting topic. Now I'm going to talk about one last topic, bioterror, that I'm going to be done for today, and I will do another podcast on a different topic. So everyone knows what bioterror is. I'm just going to do a quick explanation of it. I'm going to do a quick summary. So bioterror is basically um, biological terrorism. Big thing would be the anthrax thing, where basically people mail envelopes of anthrax to various employees. And overall, bioterrorism is not like a major casualty causer, but it has led to like increased government spending. And I'm going to do a quick summary. So throughout human history, there's these terms as kind of a check or a limit on human population. It's made it harder for humans to expand. It's also led to major societal change because massive deaths can limit can, can change and alter the economy or alter social structure just because sometimes when you kill up enough people, people get mad or you can kind of disrupt systems entirely. So diseases are a very good agent of change and something that is quite deadly. And that's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening. This was the podcast.